welcome to Tools and Shed, a podcast powered by Cars Guide, ready to rip and cast up that has caught our eye this week. I am Deputy Editor for Cars Guide, James Cleary, and with me is Senior Journalist Richard. Hello. And another key member of our editorial team, not quite as senior as Richard in terms of chronological age, uh, it's Tom. Hello. Hello. <laughs> now, this week, we're looking at the potential rebirth of Aussie car manufacturing. Absolutely monumental. And we'll look at new entrants to Cars by Garage. Plus, we'll catch up with the world's sexiest Silicon Valley bro in this week's Muskwatch. So, please stay with us. First of all, we've had some feedback on last week's show, and we were talking about the potential for a Mazda 3 hot hatch, you know, an MPS uh, Mazda 3 potentially. And Tim Perham came at us and said, please, Mazda, make this car. Um, He used to own a Mazda 6 MPS and absolutely loved it. If this Mazda's anything like that, um, he reckons it'll be a hoot. Um, He drove the current Mazda 6 Turbo, and he says that the Hot 3 will need a little more, a bit more sauce. Um, but he loves the podcast on Spotify. Thank you very much. Keep it up, guys. And mm. Richard, your um, famous friend, DeCook, hey. has, has said that the US Mazda 6 Turbo is over 190 kilowatts um, with premium fuel. Now, I, I did a bit of digging and it's 186 kilowatts. Mm. Ours is 170. I'm not sure yeah. why. Um, the disparity there, but the 2.5 turbo in the Australian market's 170. But DeCook makes a good point. You know, look at what um, AMG and Merck AMG and VW have done with a two-litre four-cylinder. You know, you think about the AMG A45S up around 300 kilowatts. It wouldn't take much to turn up the wick no, um, not on that engine to, to get a little more power out of it. So that's quite exciting. One of the things I think that uh, Mazda 6 uh, with that engine needs, though, is all-wheel drive. I recently drove that um, up to the mud run, um, and uh, it's nothing to do with running. It's all to do with that, hot rods. That's just and a this- family gathering, isn't it? <laughs> that's right. It's, uh, yeah. it's, it's, not, it, it's, it's, it's funny name. Um, but there's a lot of power going into those front wheels, uh, 170 kilowatts. Um, an all-wheel yeah. drive Mazda 6 would be great, especially right. a wagon. Mm. Right. The cool well, K. Um, the the aptly named Smoke and Rubber says, uh, I have a 2006 Mazda 3 MPS, can confirm they do torque steer, lol. So uh, we were talking about that, the, the rudimentary form of lane change assist that those cars have, which is actually application of your right foot on the accelerator pedal. Um, Farley hmm. says, the current Mazda 3 is the best looking hatch out there today. I don't care what anyone else says. Um, one with 200 kilowatts, all-wheel drive, and sports body kit would definitely leave showrooms like hotcakes. Is he a but, dealer? Um, Is he a, a look, dealer principal he for uh, Brookvale Mazda? <laughs> I have no idea whether he has any kind of vested interest in this uh, discussion. But Michael Allen says, Hatch is repulsive to look at. Sedan looks so much better, which sums up that car, that there's uh, such a polarised uh, groups in terms mm. of how that hatch looks particularly. But Grudland 74 said, unless they price it out of contention, which is an interesting point, you know, it'll have to be at the right price because Neza, our old mate Neza came in and said, hmm, interesting to see if the MPS will be considered in the same tier as Golf GTI, you know, and he can't see Mazda being cheaper. The current GTI is around 49K. Mm-hmm. So the current Astina 3, so the top grade of the Mazda 3, 
is around 44. So maybe an MPS starts to get into that GTI price bracket or even maybe more. Mm. I'd um, say it'd it, have to be more at that price, right? And then they're stuck with, oh, well, maybe the i30N will be cheaper as well. That's a very pre- that's a very prescient point you make there, Tom. We'll get to that in a minute. It says um, maybe if the MPS has Golf R performance, um, that would steal some buyers, but not at a Golf R price. So you, your Golf mm. R is like 55 or, or something around that point. Yeah. Um, but then Jim Harkin enjoyed the video, hmm, was going to buy the Kia Cerato GT, but now thinking of holding off to see if the Mazda 3 hot hatch is released. So he's actually having some thoughts. And Jim Danik then said, if you're looking at the Kia Cerato GT, why wouldn't you look at the Hyundai i30N? DCT coming early 21. And DeCook said, Serato GT looks great, in his opinion, but only in the sedan. Mazda 3 looks way sharper, like it was made for the MPS version from its inception. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hang on. DeCook says that the Serato GT looks only good in the sedan? Really? Yes, he did. Yes. Okay. I'm inclined to agree, Richard. I uh, think you know, you are the right. The, the, pro- the side profile of that Serato is pretty... <laughs> Is yeah, it's, it's, are you okay? Then? It's a bit You're to take right? in. <laughs> yeah, sorry, minus but just the, the sedan. The sedan looks excellent. I really think the rear is is uh, superbly resolved. It's a, it's a great yes. looking car. Yes. Well, um, Jim did make a point. I, I haven't called it out specifically in these comments, but um, he did say, "Why does the default always have to be all wheel drive? You know, a good front wheel drive hot hatch can be a heap of fun." And I think that's a valid point. And Hyundai has has made it pretty emphatically with that i30N. It's such a yeah. terrific package. Um, now, in our garage last week, M4 had finally, finally driven the MG3. And one of the comments that he made was that it felt kind of VW group dynamically in the way it rode and the way it handled and stopped and all those kinds of things. And Pranav Shroti made a really salient point. He says, MG's a subsidiary of SAIAC, China. And Tom, you'll be all over this because you not long ago wrote a story about the intricate family tree of, of Chinese car brands, and SAIC China has a partnership with VW China, um, and they buy and share lots of parts, and that explains why the MG3 rides and feels a bit like a Volkswagen. So I thought that was an interesting point. It would be good to take one apart, tear it down, and just see if there's any uh, Volkswagen stamps on anything, maybe. Well, I've got got a a reasonable (laughs) toolkit here, if if we get one. Um, Yeah. I've got an engine block. Why not? It's been a a story in the making, this MG3 review. You know, it's been something like, whatever, two years trying to get a hold of one. So I think it would be an interesting next step to not only get a hold of one, but then take it apart and find out if it's actually just a (laughs) two-generation old polo underneath. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And then we could give you a bag. I have a feeling someone might get a bit angry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. this is the thing. As a bit of a backstory, we've we've had trouble trying to get one, haven't we, guys, um, to review? And uh, Matt had to go to some extreme lengths to actually get his hands on one. But that's partially, I mean, to give the benefit of the doubt, they have actually been selling very well. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, maybe there aren't that many around. Who knows? But David Burt came in and said that exquisite tartan in the MG3, you know, Maccas, is it a Macca tartan? Uh, is a bold trim statement, which looks great. Seven-year warranty on an $18,000 car is a great proposition, particularly treat it as a fridge-like appliance, i.e. you drive it till it carks. 
And um, for people yeah. listening outside of Australia, Carks is uh, kicking the bucket. That is yeah. leaving this mortal coil. Um, now, also, Crafty had been in the Prado Kakadu Horizon, so very Whoa. much a top, top shelf mm. um, Toyota Land Cruiser Prado. And Jim Danik came back again and said, Crafty, did the Kakadu Horizon have beige carpet? How practical is that on a muddy track? And I contacted Crafty and he said, uh, yeah, it did have beige or cream or something, his words, not mine. And then in terms of how practical is that, he says, not very. Take a look at these photos. And for people on YouTube, we'll have a few of Crafty's photos up there. Um, and there is a little bit of mud inside the car. There's a little bit outside and a little bit inside. He says, that was after a few hours in the mud, so the carpet didn't cop too much because there is actually a rubber yeah. mat um, in there as well. But he was pretty careful about trying to keep the mud and dirt out. And it, it's a good point, isn't it? You yeah. make the, the interior very luxo. And if you do take it off the highway, uh, you could be in trouble with the, the carpet and other bits of trim. That said, anyone that's ever had a car after Crafty's driven it will know that he really, really tests these cars. I've been in cars that he's given to me, and honestly, yeah. it smelt so badly of a wet dog, I expected yeah. to turn around and see a blue healer sitting yes. on the back seat. There was yeah. no dog there, but the dog yeah. was still in I, the car. I, it's a great point. Does I Crafty had one after Crafty a once. Home or does he live in them? <laughs> well, I, I, I had one after Crafty once. I took it straight to the police station for forensic examination because I knew there Don't would be a crime anything. scene established. Um, but then he, he'd also driven the other end of the spectrum in that he was in a Hilux SR, which is a, a lower tier Hilux, but a, the top selling um, grade of the Hilux. And David Burt, we were talking about how it's quite tribal that what was a, a Holden Ford rivalry has become like a, a Toyota Ford with Hilux and Ranger. And he says, I can't wait for the Hilux versus Ranger battles in October at Bathurst. And we'd, we'd spoken before about how we'd have a rally cross uh, yeah. section off the edge of Conrod Strait and combine that with the Utes. But I've got to say, David, they've been there already. The Super Utes have already been up at Bathurst. And again, for those on YouTube, we'll have a pick of those trucks um, up there. Now, we also lit up the discussion slash argument slash fistfight that is the new BMW 4 Series, so the, the new uh, coupe. And Jerry 90, now this Hammer Rocks had commented last time around, so Jerry Hello. 90 came at us and says the new 4 Series is quite ugly, but he thinks it's more than the grill. It's actually the big uh, hunks of black plastic on each corner, uh, corner of the nose. He thinks they're equally bad. Uh, look like an afterthought. The fake vent slots in the rear bumper, he's a big non-fan of that, you know. And yeah. he asks if the designer, if we'd seen the designer's responses. Now, the head of BMW Design, I've heard him pronounce his name. I'm going to have a go at it. It is very difficult. It's Demagog Dukech. Um, and pronounced Demagog. So Jerry thinks he was very pompous, hopes he's forced out, and he even got rid of the legendary Hofmeister kink. Now, I'll put a photo up there for people on YouTube. Yeah. I don't think he did. There is a, a vestigial Hofmeister kink there at the back of the window, uh, but he thinks it's just sad. He thinks that car is just sad. He's obviously a bit of a BMW devotee. Well, the BMW 3 Series is definitely uh, losing. It's, uh, it's got a receding Hofmeister kink. Um, and that, that caused major issues, especially with the BMW 3 Series Touring, the 330i that I, I tested 
um, people are up in arms that 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 kink, which has been around for decades, is gone. Yeah. Yep. Mm. So, like Wilhelm Hofmeister, I just double checked. He was the head of BMW Design from 1955 to 1970. So he's the person mm. that that little design tweak is named after, and it's carried on. It's just one of those beautiful things, like the kidney grill. So here you can kind of share Jerry Knighty's pain. The grill's been, in his eyes, crucified. The Hofmeister kink is just about non-existent. He sees it all going out the window. Yeah. JC, if anybody's looking for some weekend or, or, or just weekday uh, viewing, um, go onto YouTube after you've watched this, of course. And, and uh, Ellen. Yeah. <laughs> and search for um, the history of the BMW 3 Series Touring because the way that car came about Yes. Brings a tear yeah. to my eye. It's, so it's a good beautiful. story, isn't it? Absolutely. It was beautiful. basically a little um, private time skunk works project from one employee, wasn't it? He just That's made right. it. That's right. Yeah. It was an engineer at BMW who basically wanted a station wagon to take on holiday with his little family to put bicycles in the back. Yeah, they just and built so one. He built a station wagon and he kept yeah. it private from the powers that be at BMW until. He's, you know, his mates said, show them, show them what you've done. And they loved mm. it so much they put it into production. Yeah. So that's the story. And the version that he built is so similar to the one yes. that actually ended up being in production. It's amazing. Yes. Like, yes. he's just sort of gone AWOL and built the car as yeah. it was in production yeah. on his and own. Got it, he got it so right. Yeah, it is a yeah. very good story. That's a great yeah. point, Richard. Um, now, just under the heading of general commentary, got a couple of comments. Grudlin74 came in again and said, great show. Thank you, Grudlin. Um, when the Defender lobs here, can Crafty please take it for a spin? I would say talking about living in cars, Richard, I think mm. Crafty would be living in the, oh. uh, the, the new Defender once it gets here. Imagine um, how stinky that's going to be. To answer that question, thank you, M4, for the MG review. I'd be interested if they have a manual option. It says, the four-speed auto reminds me of my much-loved Cortina. <laughs> that's, that size sedan could have saved Ford in Australia. I think yes. I think sedans were kind of on the nose. I think you're more into SUV territory, but that's an interesting point. And Social Bounty Make Money app, uh, who is obviously a friend of a recent commenter who was used to earn make money online platform, um, says, nice video, L-O-K-R. Now, I don't know what L-O-K-R means in online chat, but I think we're being bombarded with our Russian friends I feel uh -huh. like we're being dragged down some black hole, but I'm quite enjoying it nonetheless. So Tom, thank you very much. Social Bounty Make Money app. What does L-O-K-R mean? I have no idea, I but um, look, I, I probably wouldn't click any links they send. No. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> no, I'm just enjoying the fact that we're worthy of getting Russian bots um, actually attacking our YouTube videos. Now, we'll, we will move to our main subject of conversation this week. And it's, it's kind of a revelation, isn't it, that, that there's a group of people have got together and started a car and truck company um, that is called Snowy, um, that's called H2X, and they're building an SUV called the Snowy, which will be a hydrogen fuel cell vehicle, and they're making some pretty uh, bold claims about when they'll get started and what they'll be making. Um, it's uh, a new company, H2X Australia, it's founded by some executives from Exxon, VW, BMW, mm -hmm. um, Volvo, Hyundai, all quite senior people. And they're saying they're going to base it at Port Kembla, which uh, for people in other parts of Australia or overseas is on the south coast of New South Wales. And it's currently where 
most cars come into the country um, on ships for distribution um, on the east coast of Australia anyway um, and much of New South Wales. So they're going to base it there uh, and they say they're going to have a vehicle launched as early as 2022. Um, and there's certainly no, not much hydrogen infrastructure in Australia, but there mm. are in other parts of the world. So it's kind of interesting move. I, it's, I, I've done a bit of research into this. We've written a story on a Testo, uh, wrote, a, wrote a brilliant story. If you haven't read it, um, have a look at it. Um, yeah, look, JC, um, look, I think we've all been around long enough now. To, so we see a company like this pop up every three years or so. You know, there used to be a place, there used to be one called Better Place and there was one before that and one before that and one before that. And it's really good to see people getting excited and, and going in the yep. right direction. I think hydrogen is the way to go, especially for long-haul vehicles, right. uh, like, you know, freight and, and trucks and stuff like that. Um, yep. H, but the name H2X is, is ringing some alarm bells in my head because <laughs> if you, Tata, okay, so the Indian company Tata, have an H2X already, and it looks exactly, well, it's very similar to this as well. Right. SUV. Okay. Okay. I also, I also did a trademark search, and I also did uh, like an intellectual property uh, search and also an ABN search under the H2X Proprietary Limited Australia name. Um, yes. The name is actually a, a, a registered to a company called Kaboom, uh, and they make like confetti sticks <laughs> and stuff like that already. So H2X. What? H2X Proprietary Australia or H2X Automotive have got a pending trademark, um, you know, order in place, but it hasn't been, as I understand, and I can read it if you go to the intellectual property um, site on, on government website, it hasn't been approved yet. Um, and the ABN has only been around since 2019. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to hear that people are getting excited about hydrogen. I think it's the way forward. But I'm also don't think that these guys are quite ready yet. What, maybe what maybe they're going to have to acquire the fireworks company so that they can call <laughs> their car uh, what they'd like to call it. That's right. Look, they've they've got a tractor. They've got a tractor yep. that's come out, um, which yep. looks great. And I think hydrogen for farming and agricultural equipment is a great idea. Um, but at the same time, I the my jury is still out. I'm a bit suspicious whether this is going to mm. work just yet, mainly because. We just do not have the infrastructure in place in Australia to support a hydrogen fuel car network. Um, do you still have 13, 13 members in your jury, Richard, or <laughs> yes, have you let I a few go during the pandemic? It's, it's, well, we're all still here. They're just in the other room now. Um, <laughs> um, they help you make decisions all day long, Every don't they? day. Guys, yeah. what should I put on? This one or this one? <laughs> that one? Yes. It's a hung jury. Look, I, I think... Look, we've got big companies like Hyundai that are championing hydrogen fuel, fuel cell technology. If a company like Hyundai can't bring it to market successfully yet, then I doubt that a company yeah. like this can. So that, those yeah. are my two cents. Yep. Well, a big theme through the backstory of a lot of these people that have collectively put the uh, company together is China. Mm. And I think China fuel cell, hydrogen fuel cell is a big driver there because um, we've learned that China sees it as a way of becoming independent of other countries, not having to buy oil, not having to buy batteries, but being able to make um, hydrogen and, and power their vehicles domestically. So that sounds like a canny move. They reckon they're going to have 3,700 vehicles in 2021 and as many as 25,000 a year by 2025. And that could be tractors, trucks, cars, the SUV. They've also shown in the past utes and, and a, a swoop looks like a big hatchback kind of thing as well. So 
you know, who knows? That I, looks I, like it's a very <laughs> I'll believe it when I see a timeline, yes. isn't it? It's yeah. so yeah. ambitious. And as you said, Richard, you know, like the, the ABN has only just started existing. So, mm. um, you know, uh, big promises, but, you know, uh, some of the biggest players in that electric car field uh, are all about big promises, as we know. So we'll That's see what one. happens. Well, you've got to dream big. What is it? You know, make it, fake it till you make it. Who well, knows? Especially, especially in, um, you know, Elon Musk has proven that if you can generate enough hype and you can yep. generate enough, you know, interest and excitement, then, yep. you know, it, it's, kind, it's kind of like the opposite of, you know, build it and they will come. It's like they will come and then you can build it. So they're really generating interest and most of all money so they can bankroll this. Um, but I think you've got to start with a network first. Yes, I mean, mm. talk about claims. The, 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 one of the claims is they'll have a running prototype um, of their first model. I'm not sure exactly whether that's this futuristic-looking SUV or whether it maybe is a co commercial vehicle um, mm. in November this year. So um, we'll see whether any rubber hits the road before this year's out. Yeah, it's just bizarre. And especially, as I mentioned before, the similarities to the H2X, the Tata H2X, it's like, whoa. Right. Very, very close, yes. guys. Mm. Okay. And well, they maybe make there a is point a out of uh, saying as well that they're not asking for government assistance, uh, which I think is interesting because I think just in terms of electric cars generally, it would be good to see some sort of government assistance, be, be that, you know, a tax incentive, be that, uh, you know, some sort of benefit to drivers, maybe, you know, they like they do in, in Sweden or whatever, they get to use bus lanes, um, or maybe that was Norway. But just... You know, I, th there isn't much of a push out there, is there? It's all still well, very much... It's an, it's an interesting point, Tom. If the government had some skin in the game, they would probably start to think more broadly about infrastructure and, all right, we're mm. investing in this vehicle. Well, how does it work in, in practicality? And you start to get more engaged with the whole idea. So mm. it, it, that would be a positive thing, I agree. Yeah, look, there are... The network in Australia is so slowly building up. I know that... ACT is putting in a hydrogen fuel station and various other states are putting in hydrogen fuel stations. But in order to, to, be, to be able to fill up 25,000 vehicles, you're going to need a bit more than four throughout the entire country. So well, it'd be a very long queue. Yeah, there'd be some <laughs> decent, decent queues on the forecourt. But it's the yeah. same for electric cars. Like I had the mm. Jaguar I-Pace uh, maybe a month or two ago and I, I went to use a, a DC fast charger for that. Uh, just to try it out, and uh, the the uh, one available in Olympic Park had a queue of two Teslas waiting to use it, so I, I yes. just turned around and went home. Well, that's <laughs> it. I mean, if you had a wholesale change of all the cars on our roads right now to electricity, the energy grid would just give up and collapse. So it's mm. it's always one of those gradual progressions, I suppose, that as demand increases, all right, you'll have supply, be it of the vehicles or whatever it takes to fuel them, it's, it's one of those gradual processes. So it's generating the demand um, in terms of hydrogen, hydrogen fuel cell, which in private vehicles at the moment is pretty much zero. Yeah, that's right. And look, the, the emissions that come out of a hydrogen vehicle are, you know, water. So there's, yep. there's so much to like about that technology. And we've got endless hydrogen, you know, here in yes. Australia. So, yep. yeah, yeah, I think it's a way forward. It would be very interesting to get people's comments who are listening or viewing. Um, let us know what you think. Is this a pie in the sky? Is this a hydrogen fuel cell in the sky? Or do you think <laughs> it um, has some potential to actually um, get some traction? Let's hear what you have to say. But we'll, mm. we'll move now to our own garage and cars that you can drive in the real world right now. 
And the two of you actually have been driving two uh, variations on the same Skoda theme. But yeah. Richard, we'll kick it off with you. And the Skoda I'm talking about is the Carrock. So yeah, um, yeah. let's hear what you have to say. Look, I um, just wanted to say uh, that my, yeah, the car that I was going to be supposed to be reviewing was, was, was actually stolen. Um, and police say that, um, you know, often the perpetrators of these crimes are people you know, and I know yeah. who it is. It's yeah. that guy, Tom White. So originally <laughs> I was down to drive the fancy, luxurious, top of the range, 140 TSI Sportline. And somehow at the last minute, it got swapped. Tom got the Sportline and I got the 110 TSI, the one with all the blanked out plastic panels on it where buttons used to be. Yeah, but yeah, it, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. Come on. No. Actually, what, 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 they, what they don't tell you, you know, in the in the game is car bookings are very political and there was some backroom lobbying that needed to be done oh, on yeah. my part yeah. to get them. I saw Henry Kissinger, Charles Schultz and several other, uh, no, what's there his was. name? Sh Harold Not Holt. Charles Schultz, he drew peanuts. That's right. um, the, the, you know, several heavyweight diplomats. Yeah. Um, John in your place, Tom. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. By the end of it, I actually think Tom might have been robbed because... Uh, the 110 TSI for the money, about $32,000. Uh, you, you, you don't need really need to option anything. Um, it's actually probably the more versatile one. You can take the seats out of the back of it. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, you'll be able to see a picture there where I've taken the back seat out and actually put it on the middle seat. Um, if I can do it, anyone can do it. It's really, really quick. Um, you, can't, you can order stuff. You can option stuff on the 110 TSI that you can't option on the 140 TSI, like a sunroof. Um, you, can't, you can't get leather seats on the 140 TSI, but, but you can on the 110. Before you leave the seats, Richard, did you yeah. take the back seat and put it on the front seat because you wanted a higher seating <laughs> position? What was, the, no. what was the rationale with that move? Uh, it was because I, I, I wanted to get I wanted to get it out to see if I could do it because I never like writing about stuff, reading about it, and then writing about it. I actually like to do it for myself to make sure you can actually do it. Great. The problem yeah, was is that then I had to I had to go and drive the car somewhere, but I didn't have time to put the seat back in, and I stopped quickly, and the back seat flew into the front seat. So. If you are, if you what? do get the 110 TSI, make sure all the seats are back in, right, before you go for a drive. Um, but look, I, I actually really liked it by the end of it. It's got all the cool Skoda bits like torches and umbrellas and hooks and wires and cables yep. and it's it's great. Um, so TS, end, TSI means petrol? Petrol. Um, 110 new, kilowatts, is that yeah. right? So yes. it's, got a new, it's got a new drivetrain, but it's got the yep. same amount of power. Um, it's, and, the, and they've taken out the dual clutch uh, from the previous model and they've replaced it with a regular ASIN eight-speed automatic. So, okay. um, yeah, okay. that's out. But I, actually, by the end of it, I think I got the better car. And, um, yeah, Tom, you got the 140. Return serve, Tom. <laughs> well, that's right. And uh, I'm actually inclined to uh, agree with Richard on, on a lot of those uh, points, A, that I stole the car, and B, that the 110 <laughs> might actually be better. Um, and yeah. that's just because uh, the 110 is much more flexible in terms of uh, when you know when you go in and you want to pick the car that's right for you. Skoda have sort of done it, so you sort of get the 110 as a base, and then you could create your own variant with the option mm -hmm. packs, and that's very cool, and you can't do that with the 140. The 140 is very much a, a standalone product and the option packs are more just to add a little bit extra to it. Like you can get the, like a bigger multimedia screen and, it, and a pack that adds blind spot monitoring. But 
importantly, uh, the adaptive suspension package, which, you know, if you're going to get that 140, it's almost pointless to have it without the adaptive suspension because it is so good to drive with that package. So look, right. if you're looking for a smart sized SUV like that, that's great to drive. The 140 is a really good option and okay. it's got really, really cool seats. Like the front <laughs> seats are these semi buckets and they're made it especially are they, are they heated as well? They're heated. They're they're cloth, but they're heated. You can't get leather, and yeah. they're also manual adjust. It's so weird. It's so weird in European, but they they are really great to sit in. So I, I think you're kind of stuck. You know, it, it'd yeah. be nice to be able to get a, a super luxe 140, but you can't. So you, you either pick that with the spec it comes with. Please get the adaptive suspension, or you get the 110, which is so adjustable and customizable. You can really get the variant that's suited so to you. Where where does this car leave uh, Skoda in terms of its relationship, you know, with its its cousin Volkswagen and and all of that in terms of market positioning? Is the is there enough headroom between it and and you know relevant Volkswagen offerings? It's an interesting point because. Uh, <laughs> The Skoda Karok is is neither a small a small SUV or a midsize SUV. It's sort of somewhere in between. Um, and the Kodiak, which is the next you know size up, is a seven seater. But that's neither a large one or you know a really right. mid sized one either. So it's um, it's it's doing the the kind of mesh thing on size anyway. Totally. And they and, yeah. and Skoda are really going back to their point of difference, which is value value and versatility, as opposed to Volkswagen, which is sort of more premium um so um yeah I, I i think it's a i mean the price points are quite close to their you know their their siblings in the in the volkswagen group um but um yeah look i i think skoda still has a point of difference as being you know the clever the clever sort of version of volkswagen All yeah right, that's true right. and uh, i think Sorry, just uh, really quickly on that um that they are slightly better value than their Volkswagen equivalents, and they do a great job of uh, uh, plugging the gaps that Volkswagen doesn't uh, yes. cover. But it's interesting to note that Skoda is uh, like positioned as a budget brand in Europe, but you get in these Skodas that we get in Australia, and they're absolutely not like that. And I mm. talked to um, Skoda about that, and they said, oh, you know, we tried selling cheap variants and no one bought them. So we have to kind of sell them as an almost semi-premium thing, right. which... You know, it seems like there's not too much of a gap between them and Volkswagen, but yes. you know, it's an odd quirk of our market, I suppose. Yeah. Now, in, in very quick thumbnail form, you've also, each of you, been in another quite different vehicle uh, during the week. Richard, it's yes. been a Nissan, a significant yes. one. Yes, a very, very significant one. The new Nissan Duke. It's a new generation Duke. It's completely new. In fact, I asked this to tell me what was old about the old car that was carried onto the new car and they got their engineering team and their product team to scour it and they only found one thing. If you want to know what that one thing is, you can jump over to my video on, on, on YouTube and you can read about it there. There's just one thing. Watch it there. Um, but yeah, one litre, three-cylinder engine, 84 kilowatts, 180 newton metres. It's, it's got a dual clutch automatic. Uh, it is so much better than the last one in a lot of ways, much better than some of its rivals too. So yeah, good car. Super. Mm. Tom, you've been in a small car also. I was in the Suzuki Ignis, and you'd think after weeks of having things like Ford Mustangs and a Porsche Macan GTSs, uh, you'd think that the Ignis would be a bit of a letdown, but it was quite the opposite. It kind of brings this uh, Japanese city car spirit. You can't really get that from any, any other brand, and you can engage in these forbidden behaviours of literally just what? driving with your foot to the floor <laughs> everywhere. It's because it has no power, and it's so much fun to drive just because of that. Great. Forbidden well, I mean, behaviours. James Hunt famously <laughs> drove, I think, an Austin A35 van. 
because his thinking was I can absolutely wring that thing out no yeah. matter where I am and never be in danger of approaching the speed limit. That is yeah. so true. There's nothing worse. I mean, JC, you're about to tell us about something which is pretty amazing behind you. It'd be very rare that you could put your foot to the floor in that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Well, I will. I, I'm, I haven't got a kind of review, as it were, of this car because I've only picked it up yesterday and do some driving and take some pics of it today. I'll take you on a tour if I can engineer this. Stand by. Feast your eyes on an Aston Martin DBS Coupe Super Legera, and it is in my garage. That is uh, $526,000 Australian dollars. It's a twin-turbo V12, well in excess of 700 horsepower and it Whoa. is qu quite the machine two yeah. plus two um it's a new blue color the name of which escapes me but it is an incredible color yeah. and i'm actually the custodian of that for a couple of days and i gotta say aston martin do such a great job of their design uh mm. you know all their cars look fantastic, and that one is absolutely no exception, is it? <laughs> it's kind of ludicrous. Sometimes you pick up a car and just drive away, having a, a small chuckle to yourself, like, how on earth did I end up here? So um, it was one of those occasions yesterday. And you, you've, got to, you've got to follow that discipline of um, putting yourself in the shoes of someone who is seriously shopping for that car, and uh, yeah. they want to know all about it. So that's, well, that's the challenge. Well, I mean, the person who's shopping for a car like that and has got $526,000 just to dump on a car like that would probably feel the same way that a regular person's got $50,000 to it. spend on, you know, oh. a Supra or something Richard, like it's, that. It's, so, all, it's all relative. Yeah. That's not going to be their only car. They're That's going to right. have um, several cars. Yep. Um, yep. They may be an Aston Martin devotee. They may, you know, spread the joy around different brands. But once you're in that mm. uh, part of the world, Oh, you're yeah. not looking at one or two cars in the garage. You're, you're no. 90% of the time looking at several. And you're not <laughs> going to be penny pinching over a $500 option. No, exactly. No, you're, not, exactly. you're not going to be. Because this is one of the things that we notice because uh, we're in and out of everything from, you know, Aston Martins to Ignises. And yep. you'll notice that the value that you get on an Ignis is actually a lot better value than, you know, something which is, you know, super high end like that where you've got to pay for stuff, you know, like you, it's oh, a standard on an Ignis. You'd also, in your quieter moments, you'd be sitting in that car looking at the Ignis next to you in traffic and going, look, I really know I should be in that bloody Ignis, <laughs> yes. not this thing, you know. <laughs> We're both going the, the same speed Exactly. Right now. Yeah. What am I doing? Because yeah. the, the law of diminishing returns is so vicious, the further you go up, the more you've got to pay yeah. um, to get that extreme return in terms yeah. of performance or luxury or quality or whatever it might be. That Ignis, um, Tom's had a ball in it, you know, this yeah. week. So mm. who's to say? Mm. It's, a, it's a very tricky question. But anyway. Even, even my partner loved the Ignis. Like just to taking yeah. off at the lights, it was just the fact that I could put my foot all the way to the floor and you hear this tiny little engine screaming its little yeah. heart out and yeah. we yeah. both just look at each other and laugh. Yeah. Well, look, if I yeah. take off and put my foot to the floor in this one, I'll be on the <laughs> evening news broadcast. You know, oh, that, yeah. that's what happens. Yeah. Have you, um, have you managed to uh, give it a bit of a test, JC? No, not so far. I've had a, I've had a small window of, mm. of what is to come um, yes. because, of course, I do have a private road. 
yes, where I course. can explore those mm. Uh, mm. those uh, capabilities. Yeah, the, J- yeah, but, the uh, JSC drone. <laughs> <laughs> now, but yep. speaking of, I was going to say the JC extraordinary Reed, capabilities. Sure right. Yeah. Speaking <laughs> of extraordinary capabilities, it's time for Muskwatch. Right now, kicking it off, mm. interesting news this week in that Elon, on behalf of SpaceX, has mm. uh, noted that they're going to be building a floating super heavy class spaceport for Mars, Moon, and hypersonic travel around the Earth. So, mm. and the SpaceX has created an animation, and people on YouTube will be able to see it where people are trundling along this little bridge kind of gangway, um, getting onto the thing and rocketing off to Beijing from New York in 36 minutes. You know, this, this, you get into this rocket yeah. and uh, go anywhere in the world in less than an hour. That's the claim. Um, and on YouTube, Cow's Crazy came back and said, still take you four hours to get through security, which was pretty, <laughs> <laughs> pretty good comment and uh, quite appropriate. Um, and then on Twitter, Brendel said, in replying to Elon Musk, he said, okay, I built a birdhouse, but I'm not going on and on about it. And, and uh, Rob Kay came back and said, these are the accomplishments of humanity the media won't talk about. Um, and at the same time, Elon has changed his uh, Twitter profile picture to young Elon, which is yes. kind of yes. unnerving. It is quite unnerving. But uh, anyhow... It is. It's the, it's the Elon that had hair before he lost his hair, before hair, he got and back then, his hair. Yeah. And magically got his hair back. back it's incredible. He's, <laughs> he is a, gene, a genetic miracle. Yeah. Um, so in line with that, our own ABC, uh, Australian Broadcasting Corporation, has reported that Musk uh, is, for those spaceports, he'll need possibly a ferry that gets you to the spaceport because it'll be, you know, possibly be quite a way out into the ocean. Mm. And he called out our very own INCAT, which is down in Tasmania, that builds fast, multi-hull uh, catamaran-type ferries. And he yeah. said to his 36 million followers, you know, why, why not INCAT? And apparently it caught them on the hop in that this one tweet <laughs> has got everyone talking about INCAT. And Tim Burnell, the chief executive, yeah. said the guys on the floor, on the shop floor, are all excited and even if nothing comes of it, it's very flattering for uh, yeah. him to mention us. Yeah. Buy shares in NCAP, okay? So. NCAP didn't have a Twitter profile. They didn't have a Twitter thing. So they had to quickly make a Twitter and so that people could actually link to them. <laughs> but it turns out that NCAP and Elon have been talking to one another for about 10 years, that there is a bit of a relationship okay. there. And that's why it was top of mind for the dear leader to mention um, INCAT in that context. Right. So I guess we're getting in before the Australian Securities Exchange is sending him angry letters saying, exactly. please, stop, please stop influencing the value of companies in Australia. Well, can I, I ask I, I something? Yeah. Can, I, can I ask why does it have to be floating? Why does it have to be at sea? Surely that adds a, a massive layer of complexity to building a um, spaceport. I'd imagine, Richard, it's just the theatre. It's yeah. just making it look yeah. cool. You know, right. yeah. know. It sounds it's very Bond villain-esque, but I think does. it's more practical. Like, when it all explodes and kills everybody yes. in a several-mile yeah. radius, you know, you yes. kind of want it to not be in a city. That's true. Well, why not an island? 
Do you know what I mean? Why not an mm. island? Well, does he own? I'm, I'm sure he, you know, on the quiet, owns several islands yeah. that uh, could serve as a spaceport. I don't know. It's a bit strange. I mean, look, we were talking about H2X Snowy, and this is basically the same type of thing where you just generate this amazing hype and then Precisely. hope that the money comes in to do it. Oh, mm. Hyperloop. You know, yeah. Pro- yeah. I think another commenter was saying, oh, so just a Hyperloop out to the spaceport. And Elon said, yeah, sort of, kind of, that's right. <laughs> and the, the <laughs> Hyperloop's gone precisely nowhere. Um, anyway, so, hmm. but, but the most interesting news this week, you may be familiar with the fact that Johnny Depp and Amber Heard are having a bit of a legal set to in, hmm. in the States, um, each claiming that the other has um, been violent towards the other, that they've been in an abusive relationship and Johnny Depp is actually suing, I think, Amber Heard for a large amount of money on the basis that she was an abusive partner, etc. Anyway, in this legal um, discussion, turns out that Johnny Depp made the or Johnny, Johnny Depp's lawyers made the allegation that Elon Musk was involved in a threesome with Amber Heard and Carla um, Del- Zampatti. Carla Zampatti. And uh, anyway, it was claimed in legal depositions that Heard, Musk and Delavine were allegedly involved in a secret three-way relationship in 2016. It was also alleged that Heard's affair with SpaceX entrepreneur Musk started before she split with Depp in May of that year. That, you know, um, say what you like about Elon, but that would be a pretty interesting position to be in, uh, I would have thought. (laughs) Wow, that's well. a bit of an undersell. <laughs> yeah, it would be, wouldn't it? Um, yeah. Wow, yeah. wow. Elon, Car- I mean, you've got to wonder where he finds the time for this. He's so Car- busy Car- with a very, very handsome woman, and Amber Heard is a, you know, very attractive person. Um, yeah. So, But anyway, he's denying it. He's denying it to the hilt. But mm. you might also remember that when Johnny Depp and Amber Heard were in Australia, they, brought, they cheekily brought their dog, I think, on a uh, private plane. And that little dog, a Pekingese or something like it, was called Pistol. And Ooh. our very own Barnaby Joyce, legendary uh, yes. National Party politician, mm. took issue with that. And they had a big international kind of arm wrestle about whether or not Pistol had to be in quarantine or not. But uh, mm. at that time, Elon could have been involved in that relationship in a wow. way none of us thought possible. Wow. Maybe, maybe the dog was named after Elon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, could be. Could I? <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, small, furry, but capable of amazing things. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> now, the share price for Tesla, it's back over $1,000, $1,036.96 per share. It was 1025 at this time last week, but I think mm. things have, have kind mm. of fluctuated in between mm. then and now. Mm. But... According to Market Insider, there are various uh, broking advisory companies that are recommending Tesla as a buy because it's extending its lead over legacy, legacy automakers. Um, particularly, the dominance will drive shares 20% higher over the next year, yeah. uh, is, is the belief of many of them. And Jefferies, which is a well-known uh, brokerage advisory company in the States, has lifted its price target from uh, to $1,200 from $650, citing positive developments in the automaker's battery technology, vehicle range, and the whole business model, and mm-hmm. that the coronavirus has accelerated its uh, potential. So interesting. It could be a buy. A, a, an upside scenario fueled by major battery breakthrough could send shares as high as $1,400 by June 2021. 
Well, that's so, going to that's going to value the company very, very, very shortly higher than Toyota, I reckon, which is you know that's the right. most highly valued company it, it, in the world. It's Toyota, on the cusp, so it won't, mm, it, mm. and it has it was very briefly there last week, mm. the most valuable mm. company by Whoa. market capitalization um, in the world. Um, wow! But but like I say, I think we should pitch in and buy a share. One so share. all of us should tip in and we buy a Tesla share, so we've got skin in the game. Um, Can I, you buy? I one? reckon that. Well, I Just don't one. know. Can you buy one egg? You know, you have to buy. You have to buy at least a dozen, don't you? No, there was someone. Yeah. Someone yeah, on the radio true. was saying that his his partner had said, "Why can't I buy just one egg? I just want to buy one egg." Yeah. And his response was, "Because you just can't. All right, you yeah. just can't." So I, I don't know whether you can buy uh, one share or not, Richard. It, it's mm. worth investigating. Yeah. But with that, we have reached the finish line, and I want to say thank you, Tom. Thank you. And thank you, Richard. Thank you, guys. And thanks to our digital demigod, pornography historian and ghost hunter, Mr Pritchard, for his production wizardry. (laughs) Today, he's in a T-shirt declaring that 95% of people are stupid and noting his relief that he's in the other 10%. It's it's my duty to wiggle this booty boxer shorts and gladiator sandals. Mad. Just mad. Please pass on the word about the podcast and let us know your thoughts by searching for Cars Guide on Facebook and Instagram using the hashtag CGPodcast or email us at comments at carsguide.com.au. If you're an iTunes listener, please rate and review us and remember you can watch us on YouTube. But before we go, our adventure editor Crafty was telling me insurance companies are warning campers that if their tent is stolen during the night, they won't be covered. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's terrible. That is, it is terrible. A, it's a perilous state of affairs. <laughs> thanks, Crafty. Yeah, thanks, Crafty. Good one. <laughs>